Skyler Hoke is here kicking off 2024 just as we ended 23 with Tom Jacobs here. Tom, fresh off a big win yesterday with Chris Kirk to kick off the PGA Tour season. Tom, how are we doing in the new year? I mean, yeah, I feel a lot better based on yesterday. Um, so that, that was fun. Um, yeah, I, look, let's try and get that over into the DP World Tour now. We had a couple of close hits in uh, the, the fall season, if you like, in the DP World Tour. I mean, I guess it was the start of this season, right? Like, it's, it's already started. But it's so strange that the, the way they're doing it. Like, the PJ Tour has gone to this calendar year again now, and I feel like the DP World Tour needs to follow suit. So that'll be interesting. And then, of course, like, we're going to have to recap the, the sensitive subject of, of, of the winners over the last, what, six events. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think it's a really exciting way to kick off the season. The limited field event, Rory's here. Um, I was surprised that Tyrrell and Fitzpatrick are both playing in Sony. I thought they'd come over and try and win this, but they didn't. Uh, I guess they might be back for one of the other um, Middle Eastern events. But, um that probably shows the kind of gravity, right, of playing on the PJ Tour now. Like, they've realised that fully committing to that tour has probably benefited them in the long run. Um, so I think we're going to see a bit more of that. Totally. Yeah, agreed. I think the fall, um, staying on that subject, was definitely an interesting one. I loved the podcast we did with Brad and yourself, you know, previewing guys we like. I think that's going to come into play a lot for the year. Um, we definitely had some close calls. I mean, right off the bat, Akil Rama, almost, Tom, the thousand to one that we're chasing was a 36 hole leader fully placed there for a big um, odds. I thought you had a great call out with somebody you previewed in Jesper Svensson kind of um, ticked my box at the, I think third event, second or third event. I think he's one of the longer hitters coming out and he played extremely well. Um, but ultimately Liv did dominate, winning five of the six events, Burmeester twice, Louis Eusthazen twice, and then Joaquin Neiman another time. And then the other standalone winner was Min Woo Lee. So we did not have a true DP yeah. World Tour winner in the fall. However, a lot of places, I'm curious. I, I saw Neiman is going to play one of the Dubai events. I don't know if it's the Rolex one or the one after that. Um, but do these guys get more opportunities now or you know i'm, I'm I'd be curious because obviously they're talented i don't know what happens like i, I don't i literally don't get it like I, I thought i understood it i thought it was they were allowed to play in south africa and australia because they were co-sanctioned events and then neiman gets announced for this other one that i have no idea why he's playing so um yeah i i think it's it's interesting it makes the tour better I think is ultimately the first thing that we should say. Like it makes the fields better. He's playing the Dubai Desert Classic next week. Um, yeah, I mean, what? So essentially, I think he's got into it because he's won that event. That that's the category he's in. So winners of the race of right. ranking tournaments in twenty three, twenty four. Um, I'm guessing the idea is they literally can't stop them if, if they've won. I guess that's that's the rule. Um, but then, why is Ustay not playing? Or I guess that could just be personal. They just, with, they just don't with want to play. Because I guess, um, I guess Neiman's, Neiman's, I guess, quote unquote, motivation from from Nosferatu was that trying to get back into the top fifty for the Masters, right? And I guess somebody yeah. like like Usti has exemptions. Where Burmeister's right on that line. I don't think he got into the top fifty by the end of the year, but um, he could be somebody that could definitely make a run at these majors again too. Yeah, and I think look. I, I ultimately think at some point this 
deal is going to happen right and we're going to see these guys in all these tournaments eventually. I think that's probably why John Rahm's made the move. Um, but, yeah, I think for the time being short term, like I think we focus on the guys that we know what they're doing and what form they're in. We, we knew the players that played late in 2023 uh, going into this and I think that kind of forms what we're doing here in this first event. Yep, agreed. And this first event is uh, a different start to the year than we're familiar with. Last year, we had the match play uh, event prepping for the Ryder Cup. This year, we are kicking off in Dubai again, but with a new event at a course that we have not seen on the DP World Tour. This will be the Dubai Invitational, um, smaller field, no cut, and it's the Dubai Creek Resort. The only uh, events that I saw at this was like 2016 and 17 on the Menator, where one guy had form, which was Todd Clements uh, with a second place. Did you see any other times that they've teed it up here? So I think they played one iteration of the Dubai Desert Classic here in like 1990s or something like that. Okay. Um, like so West, maybe Thomas Bjorn has to Yeah, West, Westwood had <laughs> played well there that week or something like that. Um, so it's, yeah, essentially irrelevant. But the, the guy that designed the course all those years ago is actually the one that designed the Emirates Golf Club for the Dividers of Classic. So if you like those sort of things, then look to kind of people that have played in Dividers of Classic well. I think that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. And and to be honest, even if that didn't ring true, like if you're not buying into those correlation of things, just playing well in the Middle East always seems to serve people well regardless. So I would generally look, when it's a new event, I would just look to people that play well in the Middle East, play well at the start of the year uh, and focus on that. And that's kind of, it's not led to all of my picks because of, of some of the people that I have got in here, but it certainly helped. Totally, totally. I mean, I think it's always fun, this swing of the, the year, um, getting going. We've definitely seen some guys pop up. Now, when we look at odds boards, we look at what we're seeing. To the point, there's a clear favorite, Roy McElroy, 3-1, to one, coming to, you know, where he dominates this part of the world. You know, I, I can't even, you know, he's got at least, what, he won there last year is when he beat Patrick Reed, right, back in Dubai. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, back-to-back winners in the past. I mean, he's somebody who dominates over here, deservingly three to one, skipping the Hawaii swing. Um, Tommy Lab is uh, plus 650 or six to one, most spots here. Nikolai kind of separates himself as the third tier, 12 to one, Maroc 16s, before we're jumping almost 18, 20 range for some of the next golfers. Did anybody catch your eye at the top of the board? Look, I, I think... I make bold calls all the time about Rory Macro. I'm not going to make one this week. Like I think it's a, it's a very good chance that he goes on and wins it. Um, Nikolai is obviously playing sort of the bit. We, we talked about this so many times, and I keep referencing it, but I do it because you know there's probably new listeners every now and then. Um, but we were so focused on like Rasmus was way short than Nikolai for a long period of time, wasn't he? In, in the market, um, and we sort of said look, the, the talent disparity is probably not there, and it's a case of Rasmus kind of hitting the ground running quicker. And then it's kind of flip flop now, like that. You know, Nikolai is six points shorter than than Rasmus, and I know he obviously played well getting into the into the Ryder Cup, Nikolai. But actually, towards the end of twenty twenty three, Rasmus showed a lot of really good signs. So um, that was my kind of judgment at the top of the market. Was I probably would have had the, the two Hoy guards closer? Yeah, yeah. It's always uh, it, it's just going to be a coin flip year after year. It feels like yeah. at some point with with one catching the better. I mean, Rasmus obviously the odd man out too when you got to the dp world tour uh pga tour cards yeah. um, coming over so lots of player you'll be the best player left kind of on standalone on the dp world tour and um, which he gets into the 18 range and above there for me i you know coley's article just you know kind of 
came out where he said it was going to be boring and he's straight up backing Rory at, at the threes that are out there. That's hard to argue. I mean, you do look at his, his swings over here. I mean, five of the last six events are top six finishes for him. You know, just, just pure domination when it comes to that. I'm going to, I'm not saying that I'm going to change my, my betting theory that we go after, especially when we get into some of the weaker field events. I think for this event, to me, I'm willing to keep our cards a little bit easier. Handful of guys similar to what we did at the Tour Championship or the, the Century last week and kind of wade into the waters that way, which for me opens up some each-way placement a little bit more down the board. Um, yeah. Any more detail do you want to provide why Rasmus is kind of where you're kicking off? Yeah, so look, look Rasmus is my favorite pick. He's 18-1, to 1, uh, which I actually think is a, a pretty decent price in a limited field. Um, but look, he finished the year really strongly. He had that win at the Maiden Himalayan, which was pretty surprising because he had been injured and struggling. I think he was even injured that week and still managed to get the win. Finished fourth in France towards the end of this uh, year. Sixth at the Ned Bank and 11th at the Tour Championship as well. Um, rounds of 65 and 66 at the Tour Championship. And his best round of the week came at the Ned Bank on the Sunday. So, to me, he, he's just found form at the right time. Now, the concern is, can he hold on to it? That's what you're That's what you're betting on, right? Like, is Roy McIlroy going to come out the gate straight away? Does he need a warm-up? And is he going to play better next week if he plays the Divide as a Classic, which I'm assuming he will be? Um, you, you are guessing. Like, as much as we're going to put all these kind of um, stats and, and figures to it, it's hard to know who's going to come out the freshest. But I think someone like Erasmus and Nikolai, they're always going to come out fresh for the next 10 years. That They're ready to go straight away. Um, and although Erasmus doesn't have the wins that Nikolai's got in the Middle East, he has finished ninth, 7th and 6th in recent starts in this part of the world. And he was actually the 36th hole leader at the Raz al uh last year, which is an event that Nikolai had won. So I think, generally speaking, they tend to play well in, in similar places. Slightly different skill sets, maybe, with, with Nikolai being a little bit more kind of uh, bow and gouge, but I do think Rasmus is plenty solid enough. And I think I said in my preview that he's he's my guy that I think is is the one that will lock up that PJ Tour card. So kicking off the year with him at eighteen to one. Yep, totally um, can understand the argument. Adrian Maroc is also teeing up in that range that like we mentioned there, who has you know I guess success in this part of the world as well. But yeah, I think Rasmus's close to the year shows a lot of light um, to kick off twenty four. Durban Olsen caught my eye, and you know he's somebody that you were super keen on um, all of last year, deservingly so. I, I'm hoping we get him at some decent numbers um, on the PGA Tour because I feel that type of game and upside is almost yeah. as as transferable as as anybody's that that got a tour card. And there's some deep odds in Hawaii this week for these guys. I mean, Bob McIntyre, I'm seeing 150, 170s. Sammy Valamaki's 300 plus. Um, there could be some opportunity when these guys kind of jump over that way and get some more starts and see the commitment there. I did see Yannick Paul is still stuck in Phoenix um, and has not made it to Dubai. His flight was canceled yesterday. So it's going to be a little jet lagged as he comes over to kick off his year, Jordan Smith. And Kristen Lawrence was somebody I, I did not pull the trigger on, but man, as good as anybody outside of Sundays, um, pretty much that he could have easily walked away with probably two, if not three victories, if things kind of bounced his way a little bit more on the weekends there. Um, but for me, I'm still starting the card a little bit deeper on. Is there anybody else in this range that you'd like to touch up? No, I think look, you, you covered the guys that I was going to mention. Like Jordan Smith came incredibly close for me. And you mentioned Tristan Lawrence, whose form is just 
incredible coming in, right? Um, I think Olison, I'm always going to be interested in, but I just felt if he has one bad week, one average week, his odds will quite inflate quite quickly. He seems quite variable with his odds. Um, and like you said, like you make a maybe better value of him just going over to America. And I don't th- again, I don't think it's necessarily the opposition that bothers him. It's just how well he's playing on that week. So I'll take a chance that he's, he's going to be able to slow out the gate and then play well next week or the week after uh, instead. So I think we're probably both in the, in the same range now. Yeah. So stateside, um, this golfer has now gotten to 40 to one with the places. But man, I am ex- excited as as anybody is about Dan Bradbury just about all the time, right? I think, um, you know, on our preview show, we're, we're very confident he is in the, you know, discussion, if not a favorite to get a PGA Tour card this year. And his game is as transferable, I think, as as anybody's when it comes to ball striking, iron play, and can you get the putter going, pretty much. Um, now you have to score a little bit sometimes in Dubai. Um, and what was interesting, again, I come back to the event. We talked about when Rory beat Reed uh, last year there. Who was in that final group with Rory? It was Dan Bradbury, three starts after his first ever victory. So just still calming down from that, um, you know, kind of whirlwind of a life change. Now, 41 with five places, they're not, you know, giving us a generous gift anymore like they did with Dan Bradbury. But, man, um, he said on on, uh, Instagram that he had some really good prep in Spain. Leading up to this, you know, some guys are, might, might be showing up um, like Yannick might be, you know, just kind of chilling, getting the way over there um, where Dan Bradbury, I feel comfortable about his prep work, feel confident in his game, especially where we've seen him have success in this part of the world. And I'm going to take on the challengers at 40 to one. Now you might get some fifties with top five separate bets too. If you prefer to do that, some sites will do that, but 40 to one with a five place each way here in the States for me to kick it off. Yeah, he's fifty to one's the biggest price of one or a checker in the states, right? And I think like if you want to go for go for broken and just go win only, that that's not a bad thing to do either. But I think for me with Dan Bradbury, the really important point that you make there, and it's something that when I've spoken to golfers in the past on the podcast, like the prep work over Windsor for these English golfers can be so hard because if they're based over here, they get a terrible Windsor. Low, we've had so much rain, so much wind. We even had snow today. So, um, you know, the fact that he's got away, played in Spain, he's noted that, he's pointed out, you've picked that up, he's just an incredible uh, extra snippet there. And and to, to kind of back up your point, I thought his sample size in the Middle East has been pretty impressive so far. Now, if you look at his Abu Dhabi debut last year, he only finished 60th, but he posted uh, rounds of 67 in round two and 69 in round four. And then a week later, as you pointed out, where he was in the final group in... And Dubai does a classic. He shot second round 63, third round 68 to back it up to go into the final day in second place. Now, obviously, the disappointment was how he coped in that final round, but it was against Rory McIlroy. It was against Rory McIlroy who was dueling with Patrick Reed. That comes with its own kind of circumstances. And it was so soon after his win, as you pointed out as well. And then he came to the Dubai, uh, the DP World Tour Championship, sorry, at the end of the year and finished 17th, which again, nothing necessarily to write home about, but he improved as the week went on. You look at three top six finishes and two further top 17s, his last seven starts, he's probably one of, if not the most informed golfer in the field outside of the, the real top lot in, in Rory and, and Nikolai. Um, and his ball striking is, is the best of anyone. So, um, and, and probably right up there in terms of irons with all of them. So, I think for me, Dan Bradbury makes great value as you do. 
yeah, I just, I just love betting on Bradbury. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, some of those big events, uh, he's just somebody that I guess he's starting to find himself. I mean, he was right around that leaderboard with Homa and JT and South yeah. Africa to close yeah. out the year. Like getting those type of experiences, I think is going to make it very transferable on a big stage for him at some I, point. And I'm not going to be scared of that. No, I think, I think he's someone that if he manages to sneak into a PJ or, or the open, you look at him with deep odds because I think he can do what Jordan Smith does where he's had a couple of top 10s or top 12s in, in major yeah. just purely because he hits the ball so well. Um, so, yeah, definitely look into that as the year goes on. Unless, of course, we're completely wrong here and he, and he struggles to seven or eight missed cuts going into the start of the year. But I don't yes. think he's I think he's really good. Yep, totally agree. Um, if we go back into kind of where we're seeing Henny Duplessis after an OK swing down there, Campillo, Luton, Forrest, Gurrier, Manziel, um, you know, Richard Manziel there, Xander Lombard after um, being very, um, I would say, highly tipped as as maybe per usual, Xander finds his way getting um, into there. I would say he played better than most um, with four consecutive top 25s, a T4 at that Joburg um, for him. But it seems a little bit of a different range that we're getting Antoine Rosner to kick off of the year. And I know you are keen on him um, this week too. So tell us why for Ross. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to give him a couple of chances at the start of the season. Like I was really out on him. Like I think it was this time last year or maybe a little bit further into the season. I was really heavily into him, backed him three or four times in a row. Didn't really kind of pull through. And then he just went off the boil. All of a sudden, he's kind of picked that back up again. Three of his last five starts, he's ranked inside the top four in strokes going approach. And that's what you need to see from Rosner. As long as he's hitting his irons well, I'm pretty confident that the results will come. And look, he actually opened with a 62 at the Mauritius Open um, to lead before the break. And although he fell away, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily devastating that he didn't kind of put the four weeks, uh, four rounds together. And then he was 15th the week before the Alfred Dunhill in South Africa. I mean, he was actually second at the DP World Tour Championship uh, after 36 holes and then fell away. So there is a concern that he's not putting the four rounds together, but that was a little bit like what brought me to Kirk in terms of course and current form. That These kind of initial round-by-round round efforts eventually come good, and I think this is going to be the case with Rosner, who just looks a really reliable person. I mean, he's, he's like Dan Bradbury with those irons and, and off the tee as well sometimes. Like he's, he's just really not elite, I don't think yet, but he's he's as close to that as you get on the DP World Tour. So, um, look, it's it's the case of putting four rounds together. Yeah, but that's what we've been successful. I feel like for a few yeah. years now is is digging into this, right? And I think our, I think any DP World Tour better outside of, I mean, there's been some ridiculous runs by you know some of our our co-parts and friends, Michael yeah. um, and Bradley, yeah. you know, Ben obviously have consistently been able to. But I feel like our spikes in the DP World Tour come with places at odds or, or you know, maybe some uh, movement where we have kind of an in on somebody that we're just keen on overall. I think that's yeah. where, where it comes to. And we can kind of read some tea leaves and those hits may not be as frequent, but, but pay off when they do. Yeah. Um, and if you get kind of that zoom out odds or zoom out form that you may see there um, with Roz, I, I, I'm a fan. So We'll continue on. I'm still going deeper as we go. Actually, there's another, there's two for me that I'm seeing now that, that get into the triple digits. Is there anybody before we get there that you wanted to kind of zoom in on? So I haven't got any more picks in here. I, I looked at Connor Syme at 70 to one. I looked at Jeff Winter at 100 to one. Um, 
when they've been not, picking up some steam it seems like yeah uh, but that was it they, they were looked at and never really went any further with it so i'm pretty comfortable that we'll go into the kind of ones that we do like in this in this hundreds one range um and kind of finish off there i guess yeah um i will start with kelly samoya and you know samoya was the winner of the the live invitational um samoya has been a golfer that just is truly you know pops at what seems to be random times, what seems to be, you know, for, for big scores, you know, overall, I mean, qualifying in there. Um, he did play the week before T25. Now, I mean, you see him hit the board with three top tens in 2023. If you look into the 2022, two top, top fives, uh, three top 12s overall, one of those being a win littered with miscuts, right? So yeah. I think Samoya, now if I, if I look at, the way he can go about things at this type of event. I mean, he's got to be living pressure free. Could you imagine yeah. golf now knowing you are a multimillionaire, right? Like, I mean, like a bad yeah. year on live probably is a couple million dollars, right? Like that's yeah, a, bad, a, a bad goal. A bad year on live is, is an extremely good year on the DB world tour. Um, right. And, and I think that's the point, right. Is, and I, I'm glad you've made it already. Like, it is that freedom that he's going to get. And now, look, he, he had won the, the Porsche European Open in 2022. But when you, you look at his career, he's never really been able to settle. And actually, when you look at a player, you look at his record, he, he lost that playoff in 2019 uh, to Sebastian Soderberg at the, uh, the Crown Sorcier. That was one opportunity to get his card and, and lock it out for a while. He then lost the Aphrodite Hills playoff to Callum Shinkwin. I think both of those times, those, those were the people that had won over their first or second events. I think both of them winning their maiden events, right? So they've kind of stolen that opportunity from him. And then he's gone on to win the Porsche European Open himself two years later after that. So it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility he had three wins in, in four years. Um, and I know that's all his spots and maybes, like he didn't win them. Um, but it's funny to see how his career would have gone. And now, like you say, he's got this kind of back... I don't know how he's going to treat Liv. I don't, I, I don't know if he's treating it like, well, I've got this guaranteed money now um and whether he's going to be able to play these kind of dp world tour events in between if that's still the case um but essentially he's he's going to go there and win a ton of money regardless um yeah. i don't know what team he's on or, or whether anything like that i haven't looked um but yeah i think ultimately if you even strip that out sky like let's just completely take away the live thing altogether isn't he a player that just does well in the middle east anyway so his best finishes if we zoom out i guess you know, it came a little bit of a time. His last four events in the Middle East, three of those are missed cuts with a 38th. Yeah. Um, but if you look in prior to that, the four events before that were 12th, missed cut, 8th, 4th. If you zoom in a little bit more, another t- top 25 there. You had 4th and 8th back-to-back years um, in Abu Dhabi. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think we know the upside, pressure-free golf. The odds, I mean, right now, stateside, you get 100 to 1 with that top five each way. For me, that's that's worth a little bit of recent form. I mean, it's tough. I don't want to. And I'm going to do better, I think, this year at not zooming in on the most recent form. I think you do a very good job with correlation and different type of things. I'm going to do my best. But right now, I just feel a pop, a, a stress-free year kind of fits into what this opening event may bring. And, and look, I think like you, it's funny you used to talk about change taxes. Like last year, I think I tried to steer so far away from the course form that I've kind of been on for so long. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to focus on current form a bit more and I'm going to make sure that 
I'm not getting caught up in all these correlations and all that sort of stuff. And then eventually one pays off for you again, like with the Chris Kirk thing and the, and the Sony Open. And you think, okay, well, I didn't really need to abandon that. So I won't abandon that. When you look at Samoya in terms of his Middle Eastern form, he's got fourth at the Dubai Desert Classic, 12th at the Dubai Desert Classic, 16th at the Dubai Desert Classic. Well, they're all, they're all and, on those courses. And I like. don't want to forget either. The live event was in Abu Dhabi too. Yeah. yeah. And then, right. and then, and then you think about the fact that he, um, you add on those Qatar Masters where he's been third and fifth. He's basically his whole career is literally playing well in the Middle East, and I don't even know if he potentially bases himself out of there. Um, but he he certainly plays some of his best golf from there, and I think he, he's a boom or bust type player, Samoya. But a hundred to one, you're getting those odds. I, I think it's actually quite incredible that you're getting a hundred to one. I didn't even think about it beforehand. So, yeah, I, I love kind of landing there for him. Um, we'll be super curious. I don't even know the requirements for him to, like, keep a live card, too. Like, those are the guys, I don't know, we don't have to have a live discussion for the millionth time, but those are the guys that, like, literally are changing their lives, yeah. you know, that that get this. And you have to root for them in some aspects because it was literally, you know, a, a way at a career that almost was unfathomable for somebody like Samoya to be able to to do. So, Landing there, uh, I'll pass to you because I do have one more I want to uh, get on. So if yourself, you're going back to the well, Tom, somebody that we uh, enjoy partaking in. So so give us a deal yeah. here with your next selection. Going back to the well with with uh, Sean Crocker. And look, I think this is probably that guilty Guido Migliozzi play that you do for, you know, every event, right? Like, it, well, not every event, that's harsh. But like, it... For, it was time. It was a good it, three, four years in a row. <laughs> it was it was a long time. Um, but I think I think for me, it's just one of those the upside of Sean Crocker, I think, is still there. And maybe we maybe we're just wrong. Like maybe, maybe he's just never gonna be the player that we project him to be. Um, but I'm gonna take a chance on it until I'm truly proven otherwise. Um he was 22nd in the Gulf and Dubai Championship uh, a few years ago. He was 14th in the DP World Tour Championship. I think that might have been his first or second go around there eighth at the Dubai uh, Dubai Championship. And actually, when you look at his current form, because you've got missed cut 60 in his last two starts, you're probably put off, right? You missed the cut in the first Australia round. But when he was 60th in the Australian Open, he opened with a 66 to be sixth after round one. And he shot a 65 in round three to be sixth going into the final round, despite shooting the second round 74. And then just capitulated with an 81 in the final round. I think we were on him that week. Um, we were then which was just brutal he, he kind of collapsed from the each way right um but then you go back even a couple of events before that he was ninth in the Qatar Masters fourth going into the final round he he likes this part of the world he's shown that he hasn't again been able to put together those four rounds that uh, probably that I've held against Crocker here um but his irons are there fourth 18th eighth and 18th in four of his last six starts in strokes gain approach uh, sixth, third, seventh, missed cut 22 in those um, same uh, five events um, for T to Green as well. So for me, when you see that with Sean Crocker, you just keep going to the well until his ball striking abandons him because his his short game is not good enough to kind of get him through events when his ball striking is not good. But when it is good, he can get around and, and it's, you know, bonus time if he, if he gets that kind of short game firing. So Sean Crocker would be my final pick. I think there was 120 to one, but I think it might be 100 to one now, the biggest price for Crocker. Let's see, stateside, um, yeah, 100 is the biggest price right yeah. now. Um, for me to close out, um, I'm also landing on 100 to one for the last guy. And this kind of when we went into area of the world, um, 
there's a clear standout, right? You see players that have played well here. Rory McIlroy, Nikolai Hoygaard, Tommy Fleetwood, Adrian Moronk, Rasmus Hoygaard, Jorbjorn Olsson. And there's an outlier inside those top seven there when you look at it. And it's the name I skipped, which is Audrey Arnas. Audrey Arnas, 6th, 13th, miscut, 9th, 9th, miscut, 20th, 9th, 9th, 12th, 10th. His last appearance here um, since, I guess that would have been the fall of 21, I believe, if you look at his recent events. Now, normally I'm not somebody to just simply put stock into that. What we started to see out of Audrey Arnas was a little bit of life um, towards the end of the year, right? If you if you talked about Rosner's kind of recent form and some pops there, you know, if you look at Arnas, so the finishes, you know, 32nd, not, not anything to really get totally excited about, but 19th after the first round, 23rd there in Joe Brigg at the half point if you go back he had a 19th and a 14th previous to that that 19th at the andalusia masters was eighth after 54 holes with a 65 being on saturday sunday just did not go in his favor and then if you look at his 14th two weeks before that the alfred dunhill which was the shortened event he was first after 18 holes now again the rotation there what is that really saying i understand it's probably a top 10 at the standard if you adjust scores there so some recent pops going back to area in the world now, also, there's been some hot Adrianos rumors, right? Is he going to Ron's team? Is that now off the table? How did he decide? There was, now, I don't pay for the Spanish news to, to get the insight on an article, but the tweet read that he was feeling very relaxed in a really good mental space and was openly talking about what was going on. So it seems like he's on a DP World Tour. He's in the next two events. Um, maybe Ron's taking some bigger guys with him. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but I think that is a, a Tom Jacobs style selection and, and it's an ode to 2024, hopefully to repeat what you just did with a triple digit winner with Audrey Arnas this week is my final selection. I think Arnas is going to be a very popular pick this week um, based on that kind of that rhythm of just the location form, which we love, right? We absolutely love it. Yep. Um, and look, I, I think that the really harsh thing about Arnas is I would say he finds a way to lose. But the good totally. news is with, with the 100 to 1 or the 125 to 1 that you can get in some places, like there is each way value if you can do that over in the States um, for him because he does just, he just places in Middle Eastern events, right? Like he just turns up consistently over and over again in this part of the world. We talk about just people feeling at ease and comfort in certain parts of the world and that is him. And and like you say that, I don't know if it's, is it motivation to to finalize this live move to Ram? Is it motivation to prove that he's happy where he is and he's going to forge his career where he is? Whatever, whichever way you look at it, it feels like a motivational factor. Unless he just goes, unless it's, okay, Ram's cast him aside and he's going to be absolutely devastated. He's not going. I, I, but I don't know that and that's speculation. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a certain element to, to kind of, yeah, just a bit of motivation to kind of get on both tours and, and be in the way. I think eventually live is going to turn into this kind of, additional tour where they maybe take up a few months of the season. Roy McIlroy talks about an interview over here that they might just take two or three months of the year and and everyone can go and play in it. I think that's the kind of end goal. But until that happens, it is what it is. And and for these players like Samoya, like Arnaus and people like that, it is a huge, huge carrot. Um, and certainly performing well in an event before that kicks off is, is the right way to go about it. Yeah, that's just kind of what I'm hoping to see. Um, I mean, he showed some life with irons to close the year. Now, there wasn't the best um, 
kind of strokes gain stats when we got out of South Africa, but really good. Um, even his missed cut, uh, the short game kind of, which does abandon him. Um, and Qatar was not very good, but it looked like he was pretty decent iron wise uh, at the Joburg open. So I, similar to Crocker, I think when it's sky high, it can be sky high. You know, yeah. we've, we've kind of thought the the world of that. Now 2023 had, had almost zero of it. But when I looked at historical events, I mean, he showed up here, um, I guess last year, miscut, miscut, and then he ripped off a 13th and a 6th, um, you know, in Dubai. If you go the year before, when he had kind of shown a little bit more promise, I mean, 21, he did end with some some form and then, you know, played well again here. If you went back to 21, you know, 12th and 9th, when he finished 2020, you know, with, I guess, some some better. I would say this is a mediocre form leading in compared to what he has in the past, but he has popped off of nothing before. And we also know, we just don't know, as, as we said, about how his preparation could have been absolutely brilliant for the last two months, right? Yep. Like it's, it, yep. that his whole, he could have found something in his swing. Like the upside of someone at 100, 120 to 1 is completely different when you're trying to guess about players at a 30, 40. I think that's probably why we've not had those kind of top tier picks. To, I mean, I know I've, got, I've obviously gone there with, with Rasmus, but I just generally believe in him as a player all the way along. But then we've kind of skipped that kind of 25 to 33, 33 to 1 range. We skipped the kind of 60 to 80 range because I think there's just so many question marks at this time of the year when really you could just go really volatile and take someone in triple digits. And this might be the, it might be the first couple of weeks, so that's the last opportunity you've got to do that. But take it while you can. Um, I guess the other interesting name on that train of thought, Spanish, plays well in Middle East. What about Pablo? Is, is it is is the is the bubble burst with him? Like, has he just had his career year and it's never going to happen again? But like, he's a, he's a winner and a runner up at Abu Dhabi. He's played well in this part of the world plenty of times. Oh yeah, well, he's third Rasa Kaima. I mean, he hasn't missed a cut in the Middle East in three years. Yeah, I guess I mean, the thing is, it's never the divide as a classic, which I guess would probably be the one that you would hope it would have been. Um, but he's such a mercurial talent that. If he won at 100 to 1, you'd, you'd have no, that no, you wouldn't be shocked. Totally. But okay, that's, that's what Pablo Larefa does. Um, yeah. So, yeah, interesting to see. Yeah, man, I, it, it's tough. I mean, these, this event is a little bit more flying blind. The opening of the season could be a little bit more flying blind without any form and, and kind of relevancy. I mean, the only form that I do see out there is Pedro Figueroa is winning on the Portugal golf tour. So, when we see Pedro teeing it up, we come and know he's coming off a W. You know so, he's going to win. Um, yes. I, I, to be honest, I thought you'd be, you, you mentioned it at the top of the show, I thought you'd be quite keen on the Todd Clements call. Um, yeah. And the 251. He's just shown nothing since that win, right? Like no. literally zero. So it's very hard to quantify. But then he didn't show anything going into that win. Like it, it, as long as the course suits, he could be a real danger. And as you said, he's done that kind of Minotaur form. But again, it's winning on the Minotaur versus or playing on the Minotaur versus playing on the DP World Tour. So yeah, uh, I, I just. I I feel that there's enough Dubai experience from other guys versus if we were in like a country that we haven't seen golf in yeah. and that was showing up, I would, I would like it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I agree. Um, okay. So before we wrap up, make sure we'll give uh, a shout out to our audio listeners. You can find us on daily fantasy sports picks and bets, the mix available on all different podcast platforms. Again, shout out to Pat, and Paul and the whole team on taking care of us again here in 24. Excited to bring it for another year uh, for you guys. Hopefully, 
we have some nappy factor going for us, Tom. Yeah. You know, we got a, a little one who's now three months old and kind of settled into more of a routine here uh, at home. So excited to get back into the golf swing uh, for that and hopefully have a, a really big 2024. So, Tom, can you review your selections one more time? Yeah, and to clarify the nappy factor situation, that is Sky's new addition as opposed <laughs> to him looking after me, which I think most people have <laughs> in my life. Um, but yes, yeah, summarising my picks, uh, Rasmus Hoygaard at 18 to 1, Dan Bradbury, I think he's 45, 40 to 1, uh, 50 to 1 if you want to go all gung-ho, win only, uh, Antoine Rosner at 50 to 1, and then Sean Crocker at the 100 to 1 as well. Um, Sky, over to you. Yep. So Dan Bradbury with you. Let's have a dual winner to start it off. I'm going to take the 40s with the top five each way here in the state. And then a pair at 100 to 1, which is Audrey Arnas, and then Kelly Samoya with those places too. So like I said, we have a Rolex event next week staying in Dubai. Um, we're really kicking it off. And this is where it's fun, where we get to kind of build out some profiles of guys that are now getting on the tour after they got their feet wet uh, in the fall swing. So perfect. Well, we can close it out on that note, Tom. Thank you again. It's great to see you um, and excited to have a big 2024 with everyone on board. Let's uh, kick it off a year uh, with a winner on both tours. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds good to me. And hopefully, I, I, lo- I, I love this show and I'd love to, I mean, obviously, I'm always happy to bag a winner wherever it is, but it always feels nice to do it on this show. DP World Tour, we get really excited about it. I think it's our passion really is this tour, right? So let's get some winners over the line. Enjoy it. So many factors. I'm looking forward to a full field event next week as well. So plenty to look forward to. And uh, here's to 2024. Yep. Amen. You can find Tom at TomJacobs93. You can find me at Skyhook DFS. We'll be around all year long. So looking forward to it. And best of luck, everybody. Take care.